Okay, so the first one today, led by the Holy Spirit. Okay, led by the Holy Spirit. As a church, we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, as individuals, collectively, I pray uh, that you want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, before I break this down, uh, I feel like it's really important to, to walk through this because I, growing up, um, I had a lot of confusion in regards to the Holy Spirit. Um, I saw the Holy Spirit uh, throughout Scripture. I would read verses with the Holy Spirit in there. Uh, I would hear songs where the Holy Spirit was mentioned. And, and, and really, um, outside of me just, just believing that, that He was part of the Trinity, I really didn't understand His role. I really didn't understand what He represented, what He was about, other than He was part of the Godhead, you know, part of the, the Trinity. And so I, I feel like maybe that's some of us here today. And so I want to unpack this a little bit. If, if you're more familiar uh, with the Trinity and, and the Holy Spirit, hang with me. But, but I also feel like it's important to get us kind of on the same page. But as I unpack the, the Holy Spirit, um, I want to first and, and foremost say that what I'm going to tell you, you're not going to be able to fully grasp or comprehend. Okay, so, so Scripture is very clear. Uh, in Romans 11.33 actually talks about how, how there's literally, um, there, there's things that are un, unknowable for our mind when it comes to Christ, when it comes to uh, who God is, uh, because it's just so beyond our ability uh, to reason or to understand. And, and there's two, two ways you can go with that thought. When you hit those places in Scripture, you can go, well, I don't believe any of it now. Um, I can't fully understand that, or I don't get that, and so I'm done. Or you can actually go, you know what, this actually um, leads me to the reality that there is a God beyond my ability to even comprehend, and that's incredible. If I could comprehend everything about him, he wouldn't be God. And so, and so we look at um, just through Scripture, and, and I want to break down um, three statements that really summarize the biblical teaching on the Trinity. Okay, So let's start with that. And Wayne Grudem did a great job with these statements. Here's the first statement. God is three persons. Okay? God is three persons. Next statement. Each person is fully God. Last statement. There is one God. Okay, now if you can fully understand and comprehend that, good job. What are you doing on earth? Because that is tough. It's tough to understand. It's tough to explain. Um, and, and, and so what we see here is God exists as three persons, yet he is one God. This is how it worked from an eternal standpoint. This is how it always has been, always will be. We see it throughout the Old and the New Testament. So in the work of redemption, God the Father planned redemption and sent his Son into the world. The Son obeyed the Father and accomplished redemption for us. Okay, God the Father did not come and die for our sins, nor did God the Holy Spirit. That was the work of the Son, Jesus Okay, then Jesus, after he resurrected, ascended back into heaven, and the Holy Spirit was sent by the Father and the Son to apply redemption to us. Okay, um, Jesus said this uh, in regards to the Holy Spirit coming when Jesus was on the earth in John 14, 26. He said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. 
This is what he's telling his followers. And then later on in, in John 15, 26, he actually says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to bear witness about me. So, so what we see is it's the role of the Holy Spirit to give us, to bring or deliver this regeneration or this new spiritual life, this, this salvation that we're able to receive uh, and live in. In, in Titus 3, 5, it says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So what we see is you can't experience salvation without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who delivers the gospel to us, the one who, 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 who makes it come alive, who, who calls us into that. And so we see that not only does the Holy Spirit draw us and connect us to the gospel, but we see that, that what Jesus said is that the Holy Spirit continues to bear witness about him. So he leads us to Jesus, but the Holy Spirit also keeps us focused on Jesus. So if the Holy Spirit, if we are being led by the Holy Spirit as a church, it means it's continually drawing us to the gospel. It's continually drawing us back to the saving faith, to, to, the, to the final finished work that Jesus did on the cross for us where he put to death our sin and, and he rose again having victory over death and, and, and therefore, therefore creating a way uh, for us to have a relationship with the Father to where we can receive forgiveness. And Jesus, uh, by doing that work, and then we see sending the Holy Spirit to us, we see that the Holy Spirit continues to reinforce the gospel to us as, as a church, as individuals, but then he also continues to keep Jesus as the focus. So if we're led by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is going to be the focus of everything we do as a byproduct. In John 16, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And then in verse 12, it says this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Man, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I go. He's telling his followers, like literally, uh, it is better for me to go so that he can come. And, 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 and what does he say? What do we learn here about the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is the mouthpiece for God. 
The Holy Spirit is, is, is the messenger. He will speak, Jesus says, my will and the Father's will. We see him say that, that the Holy Spirit is going to come and glorify him. He's going to glorify God. So, so when the Holy Spirit is truly working in our lives by what we say, what we do, we're going to glorify him. Uh, our church, as the Holy, if we are led by the Holy Spirit, our church is going to glorify God in how we do what we do and how we live, how we operate in the ministries that, that, that we're a part of. And here's the other thing we see. Because he's the mouthpiece of God, because what is said and done as a result of him will lead us to glorify God, we know that his message will never contradict or be in opposition to the will of the Father. That's huge. In other words, what we're saying here is, you can't say the Holy Spirit told me to do something if it doesn't align with God's word. Okay, like, like the Holy Spirit is the mouthpiece of God, so he is not going to contradict God's word, right? He's the one who reveals scripture to you. And so I've had people say multiple times, well, I I just think that God's telling me to do this. And I've said, no, he's not. And they look at me like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, no, he, he would never tell you to do that because he's very clear. That's in opposition to who he is. That's in opposition to his will. Like, like he's never going to say, hey, you should gossip about those people. Like, he wouldn't do that, okay? Uh, he's not going to say, hey, tear them down. He's not going to say, hey, be divisive. He, he's never going to lead you to compromise on truth, right? Because that would be a conflict of interest in who he is. He would never say that, okay? So when we see uh, how he works, how he moves, it's, it's from the Father. It's in alignment with the Father's will to us. And so we need to listen, If you were here last week and I talked about, um, you know, walking in truth. In order to walk in truth, we have to listen. And, 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 And here is the reality. When we talk about truth being God's word, if you're not listening, you're not hearing. Mind blown, right? But, but this is the reality, and, and I just feel like as I've grown in my walk with Jesus, more and more of my time is, divined, or is defined by intentional listening. And I would encourage you with that. I would encourage, I would, I would encourage you to ask, man, how am I uh, positioning myself to listen to him? As you read God's word, you know, some of us can get so caught up in a Bible reading plan that, that like gets us through sections to where we're like achieving uh, how much we've read. And sometimes we can get so caught up in trying to accomplish what we're reading that we're not listening or receiving what we're reading. And so sometimes it's literally saying, you know what, God, I'm supposed to read a chapter today, but I feel like this verse is where you want me to sit today, and I think you want to speak in this. It's being open to that. It's in my time of prayer. It's it's not just me getting off my chest what I need to say, the requests that I have, the things I need him to come through for me. It's also creating intentional time in your prayer time to be still and to say, God, what do you want to say? What do I need to hear from you? That's so important. And, and I would just encourage you like, like to be praying for that for other people. 
right? Like, like uh, you can say all you want to certain people, and, and if you're a parent, you can just say amen, because you've tried to give advice, you've tried to share your thoughts, you've tried to intervene, all these things, but at the end of the day, you can't force someone to listen and respond to your voice. And, and I feel that a lot. Like, like, man, I'm like, I can't force you to believe what I'm saying. I can't force you to, to change course in your life knowing that it's doing you harm. But guess what I can do? I can pray that you'll listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. I can pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to you in an undeniable way. And I would encourage you to pray that for other people. I would encourage you to pray for our church, for our leaders, that we would be intentional with listening. Discipleship, uh, just as a whole, discipleship is a lifelong transformation of our hearts, right? Discipleship, becoming more and more like God. And that begins with, with trusting in the gospel. And then it moves us, empowered by the Holy Spirit's sanctifying work, towards a deeper, more meaningful uh, life that's in alignment with God's will. Okay, So as we go on that journey, it's the Holy Spirit that is the one sanctifying us. We see in Romans 8.13 where Paul says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He also says later in Romans 15, 16, uh, how he was sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Now, now why is this important? It's important because many times when we think about this process, this journey of growing in our relationship with God, we're very aware, at least we are as we grow, of what's not of God in our life. And, and, and oftentimes I find we're so consumed with our struggles and focusing on beating these things that we're actually not being led by the Holy Spirit. We're actually being um, consumed and, and controlled by these things uh, that we're like, I don't know if I can beat this, or, or like, like it literally hijacks our focus. Whereas when we look at Scripture and we see a byproduct of being led by the Holy Spirit is that you will put to death those deeds of the flesh. Right? So, so, so I have a choice. I can either focus on these struggles that I had, that I continue to have, or I can focus on being led by the Holy Spirit, and as a result of that, as a result of walking in obedience to Him, being led by Him, a byproduct is I will get rid of that. Because He's sanctifying me. He's, he's, he's washing that out. He's cleaning that out. And, 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 and so oftentimes when I find we're trying to do the cleaning, guess what? We're not very good at cleaning. We're not. My boys, uh, their bathroom is also the guest bathroom, and we have just stopped saying, please clean it before the guests get here because it's awful. You guys, we try and clean ourselves, and, and, and we keep finding ourselves in the, back, in the same place. We need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that sanctifying work. And Paul uh, affirms that over and over again. When you try to sanctify yourself, you just end up trying harder and harder and being reminded of the limitations that you have. You need Christ. You need that Holy Spirit uh, direction. So he leads us along this journey of discipleship. And then he also directs the God-sized vision and plan for your life and the life of our church. That's so awesome. So not only, not only does he walk you through this process of becoming more like Jesus as you follow his leading, but then he directs this God-sized plan for your life and the life of the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9-12, through 12, it says this, 
But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. I love this. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. See, the audience here that he's writing to, their minds couldn't even go to that place where they could grasp what he was going to reveal. When we think about God's words that he was going to inspire and lead these writers uh, to write, and, and we have this now for us, and, and all the other things that he was going to uh, bring and, and, and show and develop in them and, and, and through their lives. Like, like you guys, they couldn't get there without the Holy Spirit. You and I, our church, can't get there without the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so what's exciting about this is the reality that in your life, now, now there's a continual struggle, and there's a struggle with the church as well. Like, like we want to continue to, to take control. We want to continue to give ourselves a direction, uh, write the plan. Uh, but, but you have to continue to allow him to speak and allow him uh, to, to, well, you need to listen because he's going to bring about a vision for your life that you could never have written for yourself. You guys, as a church, he's, he wants to do, he's already done so many things that are beyond our ability to envision. And he, and he wants to continue to do that. And so if we're not in tune, if we're not listening, if he's not leading us, we miss out on those moments where, where he speaks to us, where he gives us that direction, where, where he says, hey, look at where I'm leading you. This is what I'm doing right now. I mean, some of us right now, we're so consumed with the negativity, we, we don't even see the good that he's doing in our lives right now. And so, and so we, we see that he wants to reveal uh, God through the Holy Spirit's help where he's taking us, what he's going to do. But then we also see that he's the one who empowers us to accomplish it. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says this uh, to his followers before he ascended up to heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we see he's got this God-sized vision for us, but then we see he's the one who equips, empowers us to be able to do this, to be able to pull it off. Um, you know, when you think about uh, the different things that he may call you to, the, the things that he may call our church to, to take these steps of faith, which he will if you follow him, you need to know right now that if the Holy Spirit is leading, the Holy Spirit has the power and the authority to make it come about and to equip you in such a way to where you can walk through it in a way that aligns with God's desire. And same thing with our church. And, and so we see that whenever there's a big vision, 
if the Holy Spirit's leading it, he's already equipped us to be able to accomplish it. And, 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 and also we see him directing the church in Acts. When you, see, when you look at the book of Acts and you see the church just take off after Jesus uh, ascends to heaven, and they're taking the gospel to all these different uh, people groups, we see that the Holy Spirit is the one directing it. In Acts 13, verse 2, the church at Antioch, who is the main sending church here uh, that we see uh, outside, of, outside of really the Jerusalem church, we see, we see them like literally seeking God's will, seeking to hear from God on direction. And it says this in Acts 13, 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, preparing, listening, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So they're sitting there, they're positioning themselves as a church to listen and respond, and that's when the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, whose name was what? Became Paul. And so we see that, that Barnabas and Paul are set aside as this church listens to the Holy Spirit's leading. Okay, so, so you think about the results of that, of just them listening, uh, posturing themselves to receive, and then being obedient to that, and what happens through those two guys taking the gospel, and, and, and we, say, we see the gospel just going to all the known world, and then even later on when there's a disagreement on salvation for Gentiles, we see in Acts 15, 28 uh, at the Jerusalem Council, when they're deciding the fate uh, and what's required for Gentiles, uh, it, it says this, For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to not lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. So the Spirit signed off on the agreement for even the Gentile salvation. So we see that the Holy Spirit is, is directing this incredible vision. He's providing the power to be able to accomplish it. And then, and then we see as they continue to listen, he continues to direct the church step by step. Man, once again, we need to listen. We need to pray that we'll listen. Then we see the manifestation of the fruits of the spirits. Fruits of the spirit. <laughs> Just change religions on you. Are evidences of the spirit's work in a person's life. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, we see the fruit of the Spirit, or the fruits of the Spirit. It says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Man, those are some big words for us today for our culture, for our society. The fruit of the Spirit is those things. It is. It's not a maybe. It's not it could. These are the fruits of the Spirit. When the Spirit is leading my life, these are the defining qualities, and, and, they're, and they're the qualities that He brings, that He produces. Um, I, I, I grew up watching uh, Michael Jordan play basketball. And as I grew up watching Michael Jordan play basketball, I would watch him play, and then I would go with my boombox outside, and I had a Jock Rock, that's an album, a Jock Rock album on a cassette. Some of you don't even know what that is. And I would put it into the boombox, and I would turn it on, and the music would blare, and I would be outside my house trying to replicate 
what Michael Jordan had done. And I thought I looked just like him when I was doing those moves. In reality, I couldn't duplicate any of those moves on an eight-foot hoop. See, his level of talent was different than what I could produce. You guys, when we see those words, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the temptation is to take those words and the meaning of those words and apply them to what you can produce. But I'm telling you right now, if you do that, you are settling. You're settling for the limitations of what you can do, what you can accomplish, or just what life, uh, how life feels in the moment. The Holy Spirit produces those things in a way to a degree that, that is incomprehensible outside of just saying, God, you had to have done that. There is a love that is totally different than the world's love. There is a joy that is totally different than the world's uh, definition of joy. Uh, there is a patience. There is a peace that, that, that is beyond uh, what you can produce on your own. But man, I, just, I, I feel very strongly that we keep settling for the cheap substitutes. Why? I mean, what that reveals is you're looking to your circumstances or your own abilities as, as the one that can bring these things into your life. And guess what? You're going to hit a season that you can't do it for yourself. You can't do it on your own. Or someone's going to let you down. And what do you do then? The, the, the fruit of the Spirit, that's not going to be activated in your life. You need to know this comes from God. And, and this comes from God in spite of what's going on around you. In spite of how you feel. In, in spite of what you're wrestling with. If I will choose to be led by the Holy Spirit, these will be activated in my life. Man, I pray that that is true of our church. The church should be a place where broken people can be restored and transformed by the Spirit into full maturity in Christ. Uh, you know, we went through the book of Ephesians, and, and, and this is a, a powerful section here when it's talking about the spiritual gifts. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 14, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So he gave these gifts. He, 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 he gave us... Uh, he gave the church these giftings so that, so that we could be built up, so that we could grow. So that, so that just, just as, uh, as, as you go to the checkups for your child to make sure they're developing how they should, he's given us these spiritual gifts so that we will develop and grow how he's designed and called us to develop and grow. And that's not just us as a church. That's you individually. And, and literally he's, he's taking us through that process until we have what? Unity of faith and maturity. 
So the process that he's taking us on is, is bringing about a maturity in your life. A maturity to where you're no longer, it says, tossed to and fro. Guys, there is a lot of us right now that are so confused in our faith that we're being tossed to and fro. We're believing this, and then we hear something else, and we believe that. And, man, they sounded really convincing. I think I'll go back over here. And this is how we're living out our faith. And, 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 you, and we're missing out on the, on the maturing process. We're literally trying to, to bypass this incredible process, the sanctifying work that the Holy Spirit wants to do where he grows us. And we're like, that's great, but, but this actually offers a solution now. And you jump all those steps in order to get there. But in reality, your faith is shallow. Your belief system isn't deep. It's not rooted. And so you get tossed back and forth versus maturing versus us actually growing into the fullness and the unity of what God's body is designed to look like. We're designed to look like the fullness of Christ. And when you think about how he brings us together, that, that unifying force, see the Trinity is, that is the strongest example of unity and diversity. It just really is. It's incredible. And so us as a church, we've got to ask, are we modeling this? Are we growing? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to work? Because as the Holy Spirit moves and directs us, if we find ourselves actually um, more and more lacking unity, we've got to ask, what's going on? Because that's not of him. The role of church leadership is to equip and empower people to use their spiritual gifts to glorify Jesus Build up the church and make disciples. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7, it says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all. And everyone to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we understand and realize that we need to equip we, our people, from kids to middle school to high school to college to, to young families to, to middle age to, to, to elderly, all across the spectrum, and, and, and people that are struggling in different areas. We need to try and help. We need to have ministries. We need to uh, grow communities uh, where more and more people are meeting together collectively. Um, and that needs to happen. Why? Because that's where equipping happens. When you think about discipleship, why are we so passionate about discipleship and you going on that journey? That's because you become equipped, you grow, and you realize the giftings that you have. Because if you're a Jesus follower, at the moment you went, on all, you went all in with Jesus, in that moment you were given the Holy Spirit. You were given gifts. And, and so we want to help cultivate that. We want to help you realize that and then walk and live in that as well. And in order to find that, a lot of times you got to try. you got to try. The last core value is for us, pursue excellence. Pursue excellence. Now, when, when I say pursue excellence, I think it's dangerous because you need to know that we're not talking about this performance-based or achievement-based faith. That's not what we're saying when we say pursue excellence. What we're talking about is the reality that we see all throughout Scripture, that the Christian life uh, is not a sprint, but it's a, it's a marathon. It's, it's, it's this long run that we go on, and we're called to do it with endurance toward the goal of Christ. 
persevering uh, through faithfulness to him. Uh, we see this in, in Hebrews 12.1 when it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then in Philippians 3, 13 through 14, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. This is what we're talking about when we say pursue excellence. We're talking about pursuing Christ. We're talking about running this race well. And, 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 and you know if you have entered into this race, you know that it is not a sprint. You know that, that it is this long distance race. It is a journey that you go on. It is, it is a marathon, okay? Like that's just what it is. And, and I love how in, in, in Hebrews 12.1 how it said like, like on this race we're, we're, we're to lay aside every weight, right? Every weight that's holding us back. Every sin that, that's, that's clinging so closely to us. When you think about a long distance race, and I remember my first marathon many years ago, um, and, and, and I'm in that race. At no point in time did I see somebody on the side cheering with a backpack and say, hey, can I have that? Yeah, could you just put it on? Because I want to add some weight to this race. It's not hard enough. No, we, we see scripture like saying, like, what are you doing? Like some of us are honestly, by how we're living, we're adding weight to the race. As opposed to what scripture says, like, lay aside that weight. Like, like lay aside, and, and, and for a lot of us, when we look at what is that weight, well, man, it's the sin that we keep entangling ourselves with. It's the sin that, that we're like, okay, I'm good. Oh, there it is. Um, oh, man, you know, I'm back here. And, and you continue to put weight on this race. And, man, if you've ever ran a long-distance race, it's grueling. And by the end of a long-distance race, like a marathon, I mean, short of sin, you're taking everything off you can. I mean, you're just like, oh, how do I finish? And so, and so we want to move forward uh, pursuing Christ with everything that we have. And, and we want to lay aside uh, those things that hold us back from that. Forgetting what lies behind. Once again, you've got to let that go. You've got to let that be in the past so that you can move forward well. Stop allowing things from your past to hold you captive from moving forward well with Christ. So we focus on him. When we say pursue excellence, it's pursue Christ. Every day should be filled with the purposeful pursuit of God's best for your life. Our lives, both in how we live and work, should be marked by excellence. I should be an excellent neighbor as unto Christ. I should be an excellent employee as unto Jesus. I should be an excellent friend as unto Jesus. I should be an excellent father, husband, Son, as unto Jesus. Not because he'll love me more, or I'll make him, or, or, or I'll make him you know, so impressed with me, but because I'm called to be salt and light. See, see, see as, as salt, I'm, I'm called to activate in others a thirst for Jesus. 
Okay, so when people interact with you, living a life that pursues excellence, pursues Christ, means that as a result, people are thirsty for Christ as a result of being around you. That's what they want. When, when you think about being a light, that means as the world is consumed with darkness and so many things uh, that, that, that block out the light, when you enter a room, when you enter a conversation, uh, you bring light into that dark space and people see it. See, as a church, we want to go after everything God has for us. I, I want to pursue God's best for my life, for my marriage, for my job, for, for ministry. And, and this needs to be regardless of whatever season we find ourselves in. This needs to be regardless of, of how old or how young we may think we are. This has to be our mindset individually and as a church. And then we see that played out really creatively and in the vision that God gives us as well when we think about pursuing excellence. Disciples should use their God-given imagination to envision where God can take them in the church, and they should take initiative to proactively enact that vision. See, we reflect God the creator when we are creative, both conceptually and artistically. In Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created a male, female, he created them. Okay, so part of pursuing excellence is, is the reality that I am an image bearer of God and I am designed to reflect his beauty. So the, the diverse approaches to life that he leads us in um, and, and how we live uh, are, are, to, are to literally be this masterful piece of art that reflects his beauty. And, and also we see that throughout our different giftings. You guys, some of you, like when our giftings come together and we have different giftings, man, it, it is a beautiful picture of the diversity of, of just God's artistic expression of, 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 who, we, of who we are. Like, like you even right now, man, the fall is just beautiful with the leaves and everything else. And, and I, I don't look at that and go, man, I did a good job with that. No, I, man, I'm like, man, God, that's incredible how you've designed that, how it points back to you. When we live our life pursuing Jesus, we live out this incredible, unique design that he has for us individually, and he takes that and does beautiful work with it that points back to this incredible, creative God. And I was just thinking about this, like just in relation to our team and the challenges that COVID presented and, 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 and all these different beautiful artistic abilities and expressions that came out in order to help us just do church. And, and, and that's when you really see people's giftings. That's when you really see that God's already equipped us to be able to go through these difficult seasons in so many different ways. I mean, somebody, somebody made this. And, and, and so there's just all this gifting that God has equipped us with to do what he's called us to do. Hebrews 12.2 is it. When we think about closing our time together. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, looking to Jesus. Guys, that ultimately as a church, I pray that we look to Jesus. Ultimately as an individual, I pray that you look to Jesus. If you've never looked to Jesus, if you've never gone before him and, and, and said, man, like I, I want to follow you. I want to ask, man, what, 
What do you know about him? And, and, and if you say you know him and you don't want that, oh my goodness, I want to talk to you. Because Jesus went to the cross for your sins. Jesus loved you so much that he came here and, and, and died in the most unjust way to provide a way to provide a way for you to experience the Father, a relationship with the Father, for you to, to live life with a living hope, to experience forgiveness and grace and mercy, to experience redemption. And so we as a church are going to continue to look to Jesus. I, I heard an amazing quote, seek first the kingdom of God and you will maximize your potential for the kingdom of God. And if he is leading us, he'll take us through the power of the Holy Spirit to a place we could never arrive at on our own. And so here's what I want to challenge us with, church, as we move forward. Because I, I think a lot of times we take messages, we take challenges, and, and right now, because of everything that's going on, we filter it through 2021, not right now. I want to challenge you to stop doing that. I want to challenge you when God speaks to you, ask, what can I do with that right now? I want, to, I want to challenge you when you hear us talk about being led by the Holy Spirit. This is not a 2021 vision. This is for right now. I have got to believe that God has some of his greatest work for us even in the next two months. Amen? Like, like, like we are so caught up in, well, when this is over, well, when, when, when these restrictions are done. Well, when we can gather normal again. Well, when, when, when this isn't here or when that comes back. And, and it's like, what are, what are we doing, you guys? Like, we're literally saying that God's work aligns with COVID. No, his work operates outside of COVID. His work has historically always operated outside any pandemic, any issue, any struggle, any persecution. And so right now God wants to work. And I was so reminded of that yesterday, watching all these people get baptized. And we're baptizing them and God is just literally like proclaiming because he's the one who changes lives. Look at me. Look what I can do. And I'm like, God, we need to pray differently. And we need to respond right now. And so I pray that you leave here and you go, okay, what's, what's right now? Is the Holy Spirit leading my life right now? Am I focused on Jesus right now? Am I enduring? Am I persevering with my eyes on Christ? And I pray that we do that as a church. Guys, that's what's driving our decisions. That's why we're going to Venue 252. We, we, we believe that's an even better option, a better space for us to, to create an environment for people to listen <laughs> and respond to God's word. Let's live this out now.